thankful for tonight would be just, you really just look at this scripture and for me when I looked at it, it was kind of hard for me to kind of connect it, but you see just how connected I would say these three verses are throughout the Bible. Uh, I'll explain it later on how, what, what uh, I feel is the big connection in it, but uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 10 verse 1 says, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary. Yeah. I looked that word so many times I just could not. Yeah. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth the sneaking savor. So doeth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Yea, also when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Uh, next, I just want to take this into prayer. Uh, God, just, just help me out tonight. Get me out of the way, Lord, and help me to preach the truth that you've laid, and help me to preach it your way. Help me not to go to go the way, go my way, but help me to go your way, Lord. And just thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for the songs. Just thank you for what you've done so far in this service, Lord. And just help this, uh, just, Lord, just be with me and open up hearts, Lord. And just thank you for all that you do and what you'll do with this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Solomon, so the author of Ecclesiastes is Solomon. And this was Solomon writing this towards the latter end of his life. And as... As you think about this, this is kind of Solomon reflecting on his life and the decisions that he's made. And he honestly uses this reflection as a warning. Because he went, he basically lived, he was the man that was given all the wisdom. He's the most wisest man that ever was on this earth, other than Jesus Christ, who is, who is fully God and fully man. So he's the only one that was man that had the most wisdom. But he still, when he was giving a warning and reflecting on his life, because he fell into temptation and he fell into wickedness and he fell into folly. And Solomon, it's really just a lot to think about because Solomon, with all that wisdom that God gave him, he still turned his life away from God. And he followed a life after his own lust instead of following God. And... Solomon saw this life after he turned from God as vanity. He felt that this was just an empty emptiness for him. And you know, Solomon, at the end of his life, when he, he's reflecting on everything that he did, that he wasn't supposed, to, how he wasn't supposed to go into wickedness, he really does make a clear warning that this is a dangerous path to be going on. Amen. And we look, he uses a little metaphor. And dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savior. So doeth a little folly him that is reputation for wisdom and honor. And 
the word apothecary right there would basically in the King James version means anyone that's basically a perfume maker or that kind of stuff. So they're trying to make stuff that smell of a good sense of a good scent and it's good smelling ointment. And it really does say how easily and how quickly that that ointment could be corrupted by just a dead flies. And that's all it took for it to no longer have that good smell. And it was just going to smell terrible. And Solomon compares that to a person who has a reputation for wisdom and honor. And he really describes how easy it is for that reputation to fall apart. Because it says a little folly. And... And it's just so tiny and so such little folly can just ruin the reputation of a person that's known for his wisdom and known for honor. And, you know, Solomon's reflecting on his life, seeing how just a little bit of folly ruined his reputation of his wisdom and his honor. Yeah. Because it really did destroy and disrupt yeah. his reputation. But, you know, this is a really hard passage to really... I, for me, it's really hard to preach on because it's because I'm still making mistakes and I still do things that can easily, you know, be disrupted for somebody else when they're thinking about me and kind of disrupt that reputation that they have for me. And, you know, I think sometimes it really does take you know, sometimes we got to just really just own up to our mistakes and own up to those times that we do foolish things and things that we aren't supposed to do. And because I'm still, till the day I die, there's going to be little folly things I do to people yeah. till that time comes. And I really look at this and if, see, if we're supposed to, you know, humble ourselves and ask First, ask God for forgiveness of it yeah. as Christians. And then we ask the person that we offended for forgiveness. That's how we're supposed to do it. In an ideal wor world, you know, they accept it and it's all easy like that. But that's not how people will always react to it either. Yeah. You know, some people are really going to just hold a grudge yeah. and just it's going to pull hatred towards they're just going to have a hatred for you. Even if you try to apologize and everything you try to do, they really try to show them that, you know, I made an honest mistake. And they just don't accept it. But that doesn't give us any room to start hating them for that reason. We got to keep that same apologizing or that apologetic heart that we have towards them. Even if they still want to ignore it. Because if we change that apologetic heart and turn it into hate, that's not going to do any good. Yeah. And it can really be something small. And for example, there's, we can think about all the, you know, the people in the Bible that have a, a foolish reputation, like people in the Bible, like Esau, uh, Cain, Many, many people. But there was also, just like that, there was faithful people that had this happen to them, too. 
A really famous example of this would be Moses. Moses wasn't allowed in the promised land because he disobeyed God when he was supposed to speak to the rock. Instead, he decided to smite the rock. And that had lasting consequences on him. And that was a foolish thing that Moses did. And uh, just where it's mentioned at, this would be Numbers 20, verses 8 through 12, where it happens. And the other thing is, those, those things that we do that would be foolish, they have lasting consequences sometimes. They can be consequential for us when we make those mistakes. And just like Moses, where he had consequences, that's where consequences can also happen. And... And then sometimes, even after we've went to God, after, as Christians, and we've asked for forgiveness for these things that we do after we're saved and these foolish things that we do, sometimes, you know, our flesh and the devil are really going to try to make us hold on to it after we've asked for forgiveness for it and hold on to it longer than what's need to be necessary and hold on to that shame. And verses like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And, you know, if you are under the blood of Jesus Christ tonight, and you're saved by him, and you trust in him for your forgiveness of sins, you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. And that means you're supposed to be casting away the old things, and the old, the old parts of the life. And that also means the shame that came with those sayings are supposed to be cast away too. And the devil really wants us to just hold on to that longer than what we have to. And because I think this is one of the other things with this scripture that people can really just, you know, I feel like they can hold on to things longer than what's necessary when you read this scripture. But that's not how, that's not what it's saying right here or anything like that. Because we are supposed, we're going to have, it's a warning about consequences that can come with our actions. Yeah. But we do, and the shame that comes with it, if it's forgiven by Jesus Christ, that should be cast away. And, and the next verse mentions, a wise man's heart is at his right hand but a fool's heart at his left. And in ancient culture, the idea was the, basically the right side, the right hand was superior over the left hand. That's how ancient culture thought of things. And the right hand, the right side, that right hand displayed the side of strength, skill, and favor. And today, we have provisions for left-handed people and things like that. But back then, in those times, there was no provisions for people that were left-handed. They would have to learn how to do everything with their right, even though they were left-handed. And, and a big example of this would have been in military training, where they had to learn how to hold a sword in their right hand and a shield in their left. And if they were left-handed, they were going to have to do the same. There was no provision, nothing else that they would be allowed to do. 
because in that time, left-handed met unskillfulness and clumsiness. And you know, Solomon here, when he's writing this, does not, it's not reflecting, it's comparing a wise man's heart to how ancient society thought of it. It's not thinking that a right, a right-handed person and a left-handed person are different. And they're, and one, just because a person's left-handed would mean that they're foolish. It's not really reflecting that idea, but it's showing you, it's trying to show a comparison between a wise man's heart and a foolish person's heart. Yeah. And, and in order for a wise man's heart to be s- described as what it is, as strength, skill, and favor, you know, if something is skillful, to you, that means it has to be a strength of yours. And if we, just, if in today's society, if we describe somebody as skillful, that is a strength that they hold, and that is a strength that they have. And for example, the the way this works in my mind, I guess, is this takes me into like shooting a basketball because. There's so many skill sets required in it because one of the things is, is that you have to, you cannot use the back of your foot because if you use it, it will basically flatten your shot so you're not as accurate. Or if you chicken wing your right hand when you're trying to shoot, that's not, that's not really how it works. You want to keep it like straight. And there's so many different things. Like you have to keep a certain angle away from the basketball, your feet pointed a certain way. And it takes all these skills and these just don't happen overnight. All those skills for basketball, that learning how to do a shot may take someone years, months. Everyone's timing on that is different, but it takes time and it takes practice and it takes work to have that skillfulness. And a wise man's heart is the same exact way. It takes, it takes time, it takes dedication, and it takes effort. And... And it also means that you have to consistently keep doing it too, because when you're learning how to shoot, when you're learning your jump shot, you have to keep it consistently. You can't just switch off and do a different form. You're just going to end up confused. And, you know, having, having that wise heart is something that is trained on. And it really, with wisdom, since that's a wise heart is full of wisdom, it is applying the knowledge and understanding of the Bible and Jesus Christ to our life. And that means if we are going to have knowledge and understanding in our life, that means we have to be, know what the word of God says first, and we have to be applying that to our life. So that means we're going to have to dig into the word because we have to know what the Bible says in order for us to apply that part to our life. And and that means that we have to do it sincerely and we have to do it seriously. And that means we also be, have to let the Holy Spirit, we got to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and just what the, for guidance and what the Holy Spirit wants us to pick out while we're diving in for the wisdom and God's word and what God has for us. Because the Holy Spirit will make it clear to us. He will show what, what God has for us in the word. And 
that's training a wise heart. Because, because if we don't train our heart, we see the other kind of heart. It's the heart out of the left hand, where they described it as unskillful, clumsy, and it would also be described as foolish in this case. And if we don't train ourselves and dig into the word of God and apply that wisdom to our life, we're going to keep a heart on the left hand. We're going to keep a heart that is clumsy, that is foolish, and is unskillful. And when we go against the word of God and the scriptures that God has placed in our heart, we're doing foolishly. And I think one of the things that we really got to be careful for, especially this is more connected to verse one, but kind of a little bit with verse two, is we really do have to act wisely in our actions because especially, especially here, because think about it. We have a bunch of little children that run around the church. And these children, I believe, hold a lot of the members here and reputation and reputation for wisdom and honor. I would say they definitely would look to the adults here as those kind of people. And that means that we have to be acting in a wise heart. And we can't act in a foolish heart Amen. when in the church or if they see us outside of the church too. Because you don't know when that's going to happen either. Yeah. And... And we, I don't even know, there might be members that look up the other members in this church. Yeah. And that's also another thing, or just another example other than the children. And, and then we see verse 3, where it dives a little bit more into the fool. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saith to everyone that he is a fool. The fool, when it means walking by the way, that basically would mean living life or how they're living life. When they are living life, their wisdom fails them because they're unskillful in it. They're not trained. They have no wisdom in their life. And they are also choosing to live against God and against his word, which is going to be done foolishly. And if wisdom's this is why it's so important for us to be in the word of God and applying it to our life. Because wisdom really is a skill that does have to be applied. And it takes, it really does take, just keep working at it and keep asking God to help us with it and keep asking God for that direction and that guidance. And because we need God's word, we need that directing our paths and we need that directing our lives. Or we're going to be walking just like this fool that's walking by his way, just watching his wisdom fail him left and right. Amen. But you know what I see next? Is that his wisdom's failing him, and he's walking around living his life. But guess what? He's also prideful about it, too. Because here's what it says. When he's walking around and living his life, his wisdom's failing him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. He's proud about it. He's going around, this would, he's going around telling everyone about how foolish he is. 
which means he's proud about the sin that he is committing against God. He's so proud of it that he's going around telling everyone, look at what I did. I did all these things. And he is full of pride in his heart. And this is a dangerous spot. Even as Christians, if we find ourselves behaving like this, because to be a Christian and talk about how proud you are of living a life that Jesus Christ condemned and a life that Jesus Christ died for. Because if you're a Christian, he died for your sins. And you go around living like that, bragging about how good, how all this sin that you're doing is so great. You're using God's grace as a license to sin. And what he died for you on the cross, you are just, it's just a sad place to be. I don't want to go into because it's just so terrible to just see a Christian just really do that. Because, because they ask for that forgiveness and it's not something that a Christian should be, ever be doing. And, and it's just, it's hard. But, and that means the other thing is, the devil wants us to also compromise what we believe. And he's going to want us to, you know, just give up just a little bit of our value. Because if we just give up just a little bit of our value, it starts to wear on us. Because a little folly can just ruin a reputation just like that. And all it takes is just a little compromise and that's why we got to stand firm on the whole word of God. We can't just keep parts of it because we, gotta, we cannot compromise to the devil because the devil is just waiting for compromise to happen. Amen. And but as I mentioned earlier about how I really see how this links is I'm just looking at verse one. And, you know, like I said earlier, I can't truly live out verse one. I'm going to make mistakes, and there's going to be times where my reputation, I'm going to do a little small dumb thing, and it will ruin someone's reputation with me. And because I'm full, I'm full of sin, I'm full of mistakes, I myself am full of all that. But, you know, when I let God direct my life and Jesus Christ direct and I follow how he's supposed to, it, that's where my life can be shown as wisdom and honor. Amen. But I want to keep on one point. Jesus Christ, what I just said right there, because this is where I really think this part of the verse, if you just take this part, in reputation for wisdom and honor, this is where I really think it uh, links. Because we know Jesus Christ is no, he didn't sin once, he had no folly in his life, there was no guile, no sin, nothing. So he was a man that was full of reputation for wisdom and honor. And I want to take a look at Philippians verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. And to me, this... This is why I really do think this scripture really does start to remind me of Jesus Christ and really does just start pointing towards the picture of him. 
Maybe not as direct as some other scriptures in the Old Testament, but I think it does point. Because, because in this passage, you'll see that Jesus Christ is held as the name above all names. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Amen. That at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And you look at it. A reputation that is held in honor and wisdom. Because that is Jesus Christ. Because you look at it, his name is held and his, it's exalted. It's a high, God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That is because we're all going to have that foolishness and that folly that we fall into. Because we're human, we're flesh, we make those mistakes because we're sinful. But Jesus Christ had no folly, and you see just how great his name is. Because there's no name compared to it. And, and even the devil tempted Jesus Christ. But you know, Jesus, even with the flesh, he still remained sinless. Even when the devil tried to tempt him. And, and finally, I just want to take, that's what really just started connecting with my mind when I really saw that second part of that verse. And I just want to take a look. The last thing I want to say tonight is Proverbs 24, 16. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. You know, we are going to make mistakes and we're going to fall short of the glory of God. That is the reason why Jesus Christ came to this earth and he humbled himself and died an obedient death on the cross. Because we were going to need him for forgiveness of sins. And we are going to need to ask him for that. And we're going to make mistakes as Christians. But even when we fall, we got to get back up. Even when we fall in that reputation... And we, make, and we make those foolish mistakes, we got to get back up in Christian, as Christians, and we can't let that hold us down and hold us back. Because as Christians, we got to keep fighting the good fight. And we got to keep the faith. And even though I think this also, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, is a strong warning for us that we have to keep cautious of our actions. Because there's real consequences to our behavior, even after we're saved, even, even after it is forgiven by Jesus Christ. And when we're saved and when we're doing these things, 
it is, that is a real consequence. There's real consequences, even if it is forgiven. And, and it's going to, some of those consequences can close doors, really harden people's hearts, and really just hurt them and make it so people cannot witness to them. And this is the real impact that it can really have. And this is why I think this scripture, that scripture, Ecclesiastes 10, those first three verses, when we make decisions in our life, we should be asking, is this what God's word would say for us to do? And would this be something foolish? Would this be something that would make a foolish reputation and a foolish thing? 